I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe. But our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We'll explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. This is the time of year that it feels like I'm never actually going to catch up. We're approaching the Sunday of the fourth week of Advent. That happens tomorrow. And, uh, and this year, as with many years, the fourth week of Advent is, is a little deceptive because it's not really a week of Advent. Uh, in fact, this year we have just very short week. We, get, we have Sunday and then Monday and then boom, it's Christmas and it's upon us. And, uh, and so very often we get to this stage and, and we just feel like I, I'm never going to catch up. Uh, maybe you still have Christmas shopping to do. I do. Uh, that's fun. Uh, we're, we're, now we're at the stage where you can't even get the Amazon stuff back to you in time because uh, you don't have the two days for Prime to ship to you. Now you actually have to go and wade through the crowds and hope beyond hope that that, that perfect present uh, is is going to be still there in the store. Last week, I tried to go and pick up... This was a mistake. Last week, I tried to go pick up some black pants for my child for a, a for a choir concert because uh they they had some black shoes we wanted to get them black pants to go with it so that they didn't have to wear the brown and the blue and lo and behold it's choir season for everyone and there were no black pants to be found and sometimes as we approach the, the christmas season it feels like this it feels like, you know, I know that the church gave us Advent for a reason. I know that there's supposed to be something spiritual happening where I prepare my heart for the coming of Christ to for, to experience the incarnation in a very personal way, and I missed it. And now I don't have time to make that happen. Well, the good news is this. There is always time. The church gives us this long season to prepare our hearts to slow down and to be still and to invite Christ into our silence and stillness and woundedness so that we can prepare ourselves for the incarnation. We have this long period of several weeks of uh, four, quote unquote, four weeks of Advent uh, to to meditate on this. And the, the scripture readings help orient us that uh, there if we go to Mass every day. Um and so the church has given us this as a gift, this time of preparation. But the truth of the matter is this. You can start right now and still prepare room for Christ to come and be made manifest in your life. Advent is not over, and it is not too late to start. It's not too late to say, I am broken, right? We, we've said several times that Advent is that time for us to look around and say, all is not right with the world. And this doesn't have to be an intellectual endeavor. It's not like I look around and I evaluate the world based on what I understand of God, and then I can therefore say uh, that God didn't create the world this way, therefore all is not right with the world. Rather, just by going through your day, just by feeling the pressures and anxieties of life and by feeling overwhelmed by the things that are pressing in on you and surrounding you and demanding your attention, you are the recipient of the fallen nature of the world. You can say, just because you are overwhelmed, this is not right. 
I was not made to endure this. And it's in those places that we can invite Christ to walk with us in the brokenness of the world, in the brokenness of our life, and and ask for that redemption. Ask for the power of the incarnation, that Christ, uh, the second person of the Trinity, eternally begotten of the Father, uh, came into the world at a specific time so that we could be redeemed, that Christ now would come and be with us in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our struggles, that this promise of God being Emmanuel, right? We sing that hymn, and we, we just now, in the midst of all those O antiphons, O come, O come, Emmanuel, that we get that song from, um, that God wasn't just Emmanuel at that time. And of course, Emmanuel is that word for God with us. Uh, it wasn't that back there a long time ago in history, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became incarnate as a man, took on human nature, lived that life, and walked with the people of that time, and then ascended into heaven and is no more, uh, and, and somehow watches us from a distance. No, when God came to be Emmanuel, God with us, he inaugurated his kingdom. And that presence, that manifest presence of God in our midst is perpetuated today. And so as we feel absolutely overwhelmed and crushed by life's pressures and maybe in our relationships, maybe just in the experience of not having enough time, we can say, God, I need you to come and be Emmanuel in this broken place. And I feel that need urgently. You know, all the readings right now, if you're going to Mass uh, or reading the daily Mass readings, they are uh, no longer talking about the prophecies, right? We're no longer looking at this thing way back in, uh, in the prophets. Rather, we're looking at the things that happened in the weeks and the months preceding the Incarnation. Now we're on an imminent time frame that, that Christ is upon us. So we have the Annunciation, we have the Visitation, we have uh, Joseph's dream where the angel comes to him and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. We have all of these things that are immediately preceding redemption. And so as we are very quickly coming upon Christmas, we sometimes feel this immediate need for redemption. And we think, I've wasted all this whole time where I should have been preparing my heart for Advent, um, but nothing is wasted because all of that time that you are now reflecting on was preparing you for this moment where you realize your need for the incarnation. And this moment is where you turn, give your attention to God the Father and say, come, be Emmanuel to me right here. And in that moment, you prepare a place in your heart for Christ this Christmas. Today, we're going to be talking with Constance T. Hull about how to make the most of what's left of this Advent season. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. There's much more right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host, T.L. 
Well, you know what they say, there's only three shopping days till Christmas. You know what that means? It means it's not Christmas yet. That's right, we are still in the season of Advent, all the way until, you know, I, I, I'm curious, is Christmas Eve a part of Advent or not? I think it is. I think it's actually until the vigil of Christmas, until you go for that Christmas Mass, we're still in Advent. But I may be corrected by today's guest. Our guest today is Constance T. Hall. She's a freelance writer, weekly contributor over at Catholic Exchange, where I found her, and uh, she wrote a piece that we're going to be talking about today. She has a master's degree in theology and currently blogs at swimmingthedepths.com. That's swimmingthedepths.com. It's really hard to say that P-T-H-S on the radio uh, through a microphone, but but it's there, depths.com. Constance, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm glad to be here. So you have uh, this beautiful piece that you put up. It's been up a couple of weeks, December 6th, out on Catholic Exchange, catholicexchange.com. Our need for stillness in Advent. Uh, And as I was telling you before we got started, my family's been experiencing that a little bit more profoundly by not of our own volition. Uh, We had our our high-speed internet severed by a delivery uh, driver. And so we've been living in the 90s um, without any of our modern conveniences of Netflix or Siri or, or anything else along those lines. And there's been, a, there's been a decided, oh, and we lost power one night. So there's this decided, hey, you have to still, you have to slow down, you have to spend more time as a family. You have to really, in some way, uh, face your demons, face the things that have you really anxious and, and uptight, uh, and look at those in silence and allow God to address them. You know, as long as we're busy and we're rushing and we hear the, the jingle bells outside of the stores and we're getting the last minute shopping done, we can avoid those wounds that we have inside of us, uh, whether they be just the wounds of sin or of our own pride, or if they be uh, externally imposed upon us, as long as we occupy ourselves, we don't have to face them. And as long as we don't face them, we can't receive the healing that Christmas offers us. Absolutely. This time of year is very busy for everyone. We're all running around, going from place to place. And in that busyness, we often forget that we need to be still because in that busyness, we can't hear God. We can't open ourselves up fully to him. And all of us have wounded places within us or areas that we're struggling or external, as you said, forces going on outside of us that we have to confront. And we really do have to take those moments of stillness and prayer and stop for a little bit to hear God speaking to us and trying to find ways to show us how we can confront ourselves and how he can fill us with the grace and strength that we need in order to heal and to grow more deeply in love of him and love of others and to grow in holiness. Yeah. And, you know, someone may say, well, you know, it's the fourth Sunday of Advent tomorrow. I I don't have time this Advent to do that. And yet Advent is still upon us. We still have a couple of days left and these days can be a profound encounter if we let them be with the healing that God offers us. So talk a little bit about the role of silence, uh, and and some very specific ways that we can approach that silence in these remaining days of Advent. I think that essentially the first thing we have to do is we have to be willing to make the time. We have to be willing to put our technology away, our phones, our lists, all of the to-do 
items that we need to get done and just take that time. And I know depending on people's vocations, it can be difficult to find that time. I'm a mother. I understand it's difficult to be able to just go into my room for a few minutes in silence, but it's essential that we figure out in these last couple of days of Advent where we can sit with our Lord silently. If it's in the morning, if it's in the evening, if it's just in the middle of the day and we say to our spouse and our kids, I just need 10 minutes. We just really need that opportunity because if we enter into that stillness, then we're going to be more prepared to receive the Christ child at Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a very real sense that even as we enter into a quiet place, the silence and the stillness still sometimes have to be worked at because we have this internal dialogue that's going on. Um, you mentioned in your piece, maybe you're waiting for a, a medical test. Maybe there's someone in your life that's sick or you're deeply concerned about. All of these um, anxieties kind of crush in upon us. And th- we had this reading on Gaudete, Gaudete Sunday um, re- that the whole rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. And, and, and then he goes on to say, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything with prayer and praise, uh, make your requests known to God with thanksgiving. And that's, of course, a paraphrase, trying to get everything in. But um, I I came to the realization probably about uh, 10 years back now that this is not a suggestion. It's written in, in the imperative sense. You have no anxiety about anything. It is, in in a true sense, a command that's been given to us by the Apostle Paul. Um, and, and I think it's one that is incumbent upon us to really pay attention to and to take a moment to say, how, how would I go from where I am now to a place where I have no anxiety about anything? And it gives us, of course, the prescription. But why don't you tell us a little bit about some practices that we could do in that moment, the 10 to 15 minutes that we have of quiet, to then enter into silence? I think you've made a really good point where, you know, St. Paul tells us not to be anxious. Christ himself tells us, do not be afraid. Oh, why did you doubt when Peter begins to sink in the waves? And so one of the aspects of the spiritual life that God knows we really struggle with is fear and anxiety. So when things come in upon us, when we're really struggling, we have to fight that fear and and try to trust and, and come to a place of peace with Christ. And so when we go to pray, and I struggle just as much as anybody else when I try to sit down and be still and I have things that have been going on in my life, and even this Advent, I must admit, I've been struggling mightily in, in areas of my own life. It really is a matter of focusing on, in that quiet, coming to trust, coming into love, and really focusing on, Lord, I really am struggling in this area. Help me not to be anxious. Help me not to fear what is coming me to keep my eyes fixed completely on you, which I think that I always find the image of St. Peter on the waves and Christ to be such an important image when I'm struggling to find peace and that anxiety is overtaking me. So really the, the one of the big messages there is to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. So when we come to that, when we sit or kneel or whatever posture we're in of prayer, we need to allow those anxieties to wash over us and to allow Christ to bring the peace that we need. Lord, please help me with my anxiety. Help me to find peace in you, to trust in you completely. You know, a lot of, a lot of times when we have that anxiety and it's uh, kind of piling up on us, it's, um, it's easy to, 
to just get caught in the in the current of it. And we need, you know, we need something firm to hold on to to say, okay, I have this. I can I can understand it. I can uh, I I have it in hand. It's not. It doesn't have me right. And one of the things that I have been able to do that I've found helpful is every time a thought pops up in my head that tries to pull me away from whatever that silence is and pull me away from the presence of Christ, rather than push it aside uh, and and say, no, 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 I'm trying to be silent right now. I, I, I can't deal with that. I, I, rather, I actually turn my attention to it, maybe write it down on a piece of paper what that thing is and say, this is coming up while I'm trying to be in silence because this needs God. This thing right here needs God. And so I focus my intention on that. I write it down and say, God, this, this is yours um, because this is overwhelming me. This, this would, uh, would drown me if I let it. Can you, by your Holy Spirit, help me to let this go and to give this to you and show me the ways in which I haven't done it yet? That's an excellent suggestion. I've actually never tried that, but I'm going to now. A lot of my approach is, and I've gotten better about this. I used to reprimand myself a lot. And I think all of us struggle with that when we're trying to be still, when we're trying to pray and all these thoughts are coming into our head and all these tasks that we need to get done. And I've come to more of a gentle, I just kind of gently say, okay, I'm having this thought. I'm going to gently set it aside. I'm not going to get mad at myself. And then I'm going to come back to this place of stillness. But you're right. There could be that the thought is coming to us because we genuinely need to give that to God. We're struggling in an area and it keeps pestering us. And so we need to relinquish our grip on it and we need to hand it over to God. So writing it down and and saying, Lord, I give this to you and I'm going to try and come back to, to silence, but I'm giving this particular intention to you and, and trying to trust in you. I think that's a great approach uh, for people to try. And I also think that just focusing on not being too hard on ourselves in prayer, prayer is something that we learn over time. It's something the Holy Spirit is the one who really helps us to become better at prayer. It's not something we can solely do on our own. Um, and so just being gentle with ourselves in those when we come into that stillness and into that silence and, and allowing God to gently draw us into deeper communion with him and into deeper love with him. Now, as a, as a mom, you have a different experience of this than I do um, because something else that threatens our silence, let's just be honest, are our children. And my children, for whatever reason, have decided that I'm worthless, right? I can't, I can't fulfill any of their desires. I could be sitting on the couch reading a book doing nothing. And mom could be in the middle of five different tasks. They're still going to go ask mom, right? So you have a different experience of this than I do. Uh, how do you uh, set up your, your, your boundaries? How do you instruct your children and give them an idea that, that this spiritual life is important? You know, a lot of times moms might say, well, but I don't, wanna, I don't want to put my child off because they have a need. And of course, you know, sometimes there's blood and there's actually an immediate need, but sometimes uh, there, there is the ability for patients and it's just as important for those children to know that there are some times where God is necessary. Uh, and that does as much for their good as actually getting up and answering them. So how, how do you communicate to your children the importance of that silence? 
Well, that is hilarious because my husband and I are always joking about this, how our daughter will always come to me. He will be standing next to me or I'll be in the middle of something. And of course I need it, which is wonderful because I mean, I love my daughter and, and want to serve her. But I, I think that with, I, I have one daughter um, and I, she's older now, she's seven. So it's gotten easier, but I think part of it is me being honest with her and saying that, you know, God has to take a priority in our lives. And so there will be times that I need to pray and I'm going to need you to go and, and read or watch TV or do whatever it is just for a few minutes. Cause I tend to pray lots in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so when she's here, cause she goes to Catholic school now when she's here with me, I will say to her, I just need 10 minutes. I'm going to pray lots for a little bit you know, just give mommy some time. And, and then sometimes she'll come in, I'll be praying the rosary on my own and she'll come and ask me if she can finish a decade with me. Um, and we pray together on the way to school and we pray together at night and at different times throughout the day. So I also try to hopefully include her in it, but I've definitely tried to, as she's gotten older, establish more boundaries and just saying, you know, I, mommy does need that time in prayer, so do you. Don't go anywhere. There's more to this conversation with Constance T. Hall about how to make the most of what's left of our Advent. Constance blogs over at swimmingthedepths.com and is a weekly contributor at catholicexchange.com. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I'd love to talk to you there. We'll be right back right after this with much more. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily lives. I'm your host, T.L. We're talking today with Constance T. Hull. She's a weekly contributor for Catholic Exchange, and she had this blog that I I found uh, last week. This year, this Advent, let Christ heal your inner darkness. And this is something that I think is very important because this time of year, there's an increase in depression. There's an increase in suicide. There's an increase in all these different things because um, we, we have this idea that holidays are a time that we're all supposed to be happy and we're supposed to feel connected and it's supposed to be a time for family. And if any of those is lacking, if any of those, if I'm, if I'm not feeling currently happy, something must be wrong with me. Or if there is any kind of family dynamic that is, uh, that is painful, it's highlighted and heightened here in this time. Uh, maybe, maybe you have a bad relationship with your family and you're going to spend some time with them. Now there's anxiety on top of that the closer that you get to the holidays. And so there are all of these things that that kind of uh, distract us, that, that fill up our attention, that fill us with anxiety. And this is exactly the opposite of what uh, the Christmas season should bring, because the Christmas season is about Christ, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, conspiring together to redeem the world, Christ becoming incarnate and fully taking on the name Emmanuel, God with us, that God will dwell with his people, a promise that he made over and over and over again throughout Scripture for the purpose of reconciling us to the Father, of taking all of those wounds that humanity has borne because of the fall and healing them. That's the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas. It's the incarnation with an eye towards the cross coming up 
at the end of Lent. And so as we're experiencing this Advent, and we're right in the middle of the anticipation of of Christ's promise, and we're going along with the Old Testament readings that we're also anticipating that promise, uh, and we find correlation with them, we ought to be able to say, yes, and Christ was born, and there was an incarnation, and so we should have a founded hope that, that God is coming to save us. Constance, you wrote about this recently on CatholicExchange.com about the importance of allowing Christ into the dark places of our life to be that light of the world that brings uh, the restoration and wholeness. Talk a little bit about this most recent piece. Yes, we all have areas of our lives where we have darkness within us. And whether it be from past wounds, from past sins, or just the fact that we're fallen and we struggle with concupiscence in our daily lives, we have these areas within us that a lot of times we hold back from God and they cause us great shame and we hide them from other people. When in reality, God wants to shine his healing light into those dark places within us. It's a, it's an essential aspect of the spiritual life for us to confront these places within. And Advent is a beautiful season. And as we've discussed a little bit, it's overlooked a lot because we're so busy getting ready for Christmas. But Advent is a season where we really, we wait in darkness. We're a redeemed people but we are largely in darkness as we go through salvation history and we relive the history from the fall and why we need a savior to begin with. And so Advent is a time when we can enter into the darkness of this time of year, the stillness and the waiting and the anticipation of this time of year to ask God to come to us and to show us the dark places within us and to give us the fortitude to confront them. Because let's face it, when we discover a terrible thing about ourselves, it causes fear, it causes embarrassment, and that shame from the fall, we run from God and we run from other people. This time of year is a wonderful time to allow God to break in in an even greater way for us, so that when we come to Christmas, when we when we are at the Christmas Mass, and we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, we can open our hearts more fully to Him because He's been able to heal or begin to heal those areas that we're hiding from him. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite carols around this time of the year, and back when I was a, a Protestant music director, they always gave me a hard time because right around Christmas you pull out, what's the what's the song we're going to pull out today? In the bleak midwinter, right? It's very much an Adventish kind of a song because it's recognizing the bleakness that we experience uh, here in the the, the, the leaves are fallen, maybe there's snow on the ground, there's bitter cold, it gets dark at like 3.30 in the afternoon because I can see Canada from here, uh, right? It's so dark so early and it doesn't get light until far in the morning. And there's just this universal sense that, wow, it's, it's really bleak here. And so they go through this whole thing of, uh, of Christ being made present in this bleakness and at the end, it says, um, you know, if I if I had all of these things to offer, if I were a wise man, I'd do my part. If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. You know, I, I would give the best that I have. And there's this realization on the part of the, uh, the lyricist, I don't have any of those things. I'm in the middle of my own bleakness. What can I ever offer that would be my best? Because I feel completely incapable. 
And that last line is, well, what can I give him poor as I am? Uh, what can I give him? Uh, I'll give my heart, right? I'll give, I'll give the core of my woundedness. I'll give the core of uh, my identity and everything that I am that I feel is lacking, that is staring me in the face. Um, even though it's not perfect, even though he, we may feel like he's going to be offended by such a paltry gift, that's really all that he wants. I'm going to give my brokenness over to God this Christmas. Yes, and that is a beautiful hymn. My favorite version is the one sung by the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C. It is a very haunting and, and beautiful hymn that is a reminder of the bleakness we face, not only this time of year, but as we struggle on the path to holiness and this journey that we're on. And, you know, we really do have, we struggle with wanting to give God all these things in our lives. I want to be successful. I want to have all of these wonderful opportunities that I can give to him. And, and oftentimes that's actually a reflection of our culture rather than what we're called to as Christians, how successful I am in business or even if we struggle in our family life, what God is really asking of us is to, for us to simply give ourselves to him completely, to give our heart fully over to him and allow him to heal that brokenness so that we can radiate more fully out towards others and to give ourselves over to God fully. And we can't do that if we have these wounds within us. And so we, we really do have to accept that bleakness within us so that the sun will shine again and, and the radiance will, and glory of God will live through us more fully. We're talking today with Constance T. Hall about making the most of Advent. You know, I think very often we want to give God our, our accomplishments and, and what God wants to give us back and what God wants to receive from us is, is a process. He, he's looking at a different end result than we are. And so we come up short on, on these accomplishments to give, but he's like, oh, no, no, we're still in the middle of this healing process. I'm exactly where I want to be with you. Um, you you're talking about giving over our successes and our, uh, all of this uh, prominence and business and everything else. I came to this realization recently as I was finding the lack of those things that, um, you know, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, her husband died early after failing in business multiple times. And, and I'm like, oh, oh, if I'm supposed to make my wife a saint, what does that, what does that mean for me? Because that's how he did it. And looking at all of these saints whose lives are punctuated by their own failures uh, in, in being what we would deem successful and thinking, well, God didn't love God doesn't love me any more than he loved them, right? So he's not going to protect me from these things because these things are part of the process that makes me trust in him more fully. Part of uh, bringing me to a place of, of abandonment to his divine providence by saying, okay, God, I, I am not accomplished. I cannot handle this. I need very much the incarnation and your presence with me in the midst of this because this didn't work in the way that I thought it would. Yeah, the whole point of the process for us is to have total reliance and dependence on him. So in order for us to get to that place, it is a process because we're all grasping and clinging and holding on to things that we want or we think we need. And so sometimes failure is a way for God to show us, no, that's not actually what you need. That's not what's going to help you become the saint that I've created you to be. And so a lot of times when we look at the lives of the saints, 
from a worldly standpoint, their lives were abysmal failures in certain respects. I mean, they experienced great suffering. Uh, many of them were persecuted. Many of them had lots of people abandon and betray them. And so look at the saints. We're not looking at success from a worldly perspective. And when you look at our Lord himself, he died on the cross. He was betrayed, abandoned, and then brutally crucified. And so to the world, that would be the greatest of failures, but it's not. It's He comes back in his triumphant resurrection and shows us the way to true joy and and what we're made for. And so I think that when we enter into the season of Advent and we, we look into those dark places within us, we have to remember that God is always working for our salvation. He's always trying to bring about our redemption. And sometimes he does that through allowing failures, through allowing suffering to come into our lives. But if we learn to rely more fully on him, we learn to give it back fully to him, then he is going to reward us in the ways that we're truly made for. And he's going to prepare us more fully for heaven, which is the whole reason that we're here on earth. Well, you know, I think that as we feel the darkness that's inside of us, as we look at the anxieties that are pressing in upon us, um, we, we maybe need to come to this place of, of expecting Emmanuel in a different way right? Emmanuel is God with us, a God who comes and sits with us in the midst of all of that wreckage and, and refines us through it. Sometimes these things are not the curses that we expect them to be. Sometimes they really are the process by which we are being made holy and perfect. That's exactly right. A lot of times what we do as a failure is not a failure according to God. It's exactly what he needs to bring us to where he wants us to be. And so that's something that we need to consider in our spiritual lives when we're looking at ourselves and we're looking at something that we've experienced that appears to be a great failure for us, that we need to look and say and ask, God, what are you doing here? What what are you asking of me here and where are you leading me? Because I know that even though that you've humbled me here, you're going to exalt me later. So what what are you asking of me? And to to look to him in hope. Because sometimes in those moments of frustration and you know, when we're really struggling, whether we're suffering with an illness or we've lost a job or something's happened to us in a relationship with someone, we can really struggle. And so we need to turn to him in confident hope and say, I know you were bringing this all about for my good, even though it does not feel good right now. And I think ultimately we need to have a soul like Mary's. Uh, No matter what the circumstance was, she did the will of God and magnified the Lord by her life. Uh, She says this as she's visiting her cousin Elizabeth. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And Mary, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is this new, the first creature of the new creation. Again, like Adam and Eve without original sin, she shows us what is possible when we can be, when we're free of sin, when we are redeemed, that it's possible, no matter the circumstance, to say, let it be done to me according to your word, and to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. There's more to this conversation with Constance T. Hull, available to those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join that support network. There's more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host, T.L. We've been talking today with Constance T. Hall. She blogs over at swimmingthedepths.com, is also a weekly contributor for catholicexchange.com. And we've been talking about how to make the most of what's left of your Advent. And yes, there is some still left to your Advent. We've got a couple of days left here. And, and this is the opportunity for us at, at one final go of it to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, we need the incarnation. We need your presence right now in our lives. If you missed any part of today's show or you want to go back and uh, share it with your friends, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com, including this one. You can subscribe to the podcast, never miss an episode. In fact, if you are in Iowa, next week uh, you're going to have Christmas music on, which is fantastic and, and understandable, uh, but that means that we're not airing in Iowa next week. However, we are still going to have an episode, and we will be archiving that on the website. Uh, if you don't want to miss it, now's the time to go to whatever your podcast aggregator is. If you've got a smartphone, uh, you've got one. It's already there. If you've got an uh, an iPhone like I do, then you just go and you find the podcast app, type in Outside the Walls up at the top, and you can subscribe to this and never miss an episode again. There's more to my conversation with Constance available to those who support the show through Patreon. This show is kept on the air by generous supporters who love what we do, want to see it continue. And as a thank you, I make extra content for them each and every week. For as little as $5 a month, you can support the show and get weekly extra segments. You can do that by going to OutsideTheWalls.com, clicking the Patreon link, and simple as that, follow the instructions on the screen and get extra content beamed to your cell phone or whatever device you choose uh, each and every week. Now let's go ahead and turn our attention towards our reading from scripture and from church history. And uh, we're going to spend some time taking a look at this idea of surrender and sacrifice, of saying like Mary, let it be done to me according to your will, and seeing how that prepares our souls in an Advent, a very Advent kind of a way, for the incarnation of Christ, the presence, the manifest presence of Christ in our lives. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the book of Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. and holocausts and sin offerings you took no delight. Then I said, As is written of me in the scroll, Behold, I come to do your will, O God. First, he says, Sacrifices and offerings, holocausts and sin offerings, you neither desired nor delighted in. These are offered according to the law. Then he says, Behold, I come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will, we have been consecrated through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That reading comes from the book of Hebrews. And here we see that God is replacing the law of Moses with, a, a, in some ways, a more demanding law, the, the law of submission to the will of God. It's it's the law that the Old Testament said is the new law written not on stone tablets, but on the hearts of God's people. 
here is a law not of, let me see if I measure up, let me make sure that I do all the right things, but rather a law that says, I love God so much that I want to be in relationship with him. I want to know and to do his will, not because of uh, of something juridical, of something that's uh, uh, imposed upon us, but rather out of uh, out of affection and out of love. Christ exemplifies this out of his love for the Father. He does the will of the Father. Mary exemplifies this for us because out of her love for God, she says, yes, this, this scary, uh, the scary thing that I don't understand in the slightest, yes, let it be done to me according to your word. And today's reading from church history is an imagination right there around this, uh, around the Annunciation. St. Bernard of Clairvaux sits here and, and has this thought and explores this thought of what happened in that split second, in that moment between when the angel announced the incarnation, uh, behold, you will conceive and bear a son, and when Mary agreed and consented and said uh, her fiat, let it be done to me according to your word. What happened in that moment? And so here he has this conversation with Mary in that split second, and he says this, You have heard, O virgin, that you will conceive and bear a son. You have heard that it will not be by man, but by the Holy Spirit. The angel awaits an answer. It is time for him to return to God who sent him. We too are waiting, O lady, for your word of compassion. The sentence of condemnation weighs heavily upon us. The price of our salvation is offered to you. We shall be set free at once if you consent. In the eternal word of God, we all came to be, and behold, we die. In your brief response, we are to be remade in order to be recalled to life. Tearful Adam with his sorrowing family begs this of you, O loving virgin, in their exile from paradise. Abraham begs it. David begs it. All the other holy patriarchs, your ancestors, ask it of you as they dwell in the country of the shadow of death. This is what the whole earth waits for, prostrate at your feet. It is right in doing so, for on your word depends comfort for the wretched, ransom for the captive, freedom for the condemned, indeed salvation for all the sons of Adam, the whole of your race. Answer quickly, O virgin, reply in haste to the angel, or rather through the angel to the Lord. Answer with a word, receive the word of God. Speak your own word, conceive the divine word, breathe a passing word, embrace the eternal word. Why do you delay? Why are you afraid? Believe, give praise, and receive. Let humility be bold. Let modesty be confident. This is no time for virginal simplicity to forget prudence. In this matter alone, O prudent virgin, do not fear to be presumptuous. Though modest silence is pleasing, dutiful speech is now more necessary. Open your heart to faith, O blessed virgin, your lips to praise, your womb to the Creator. See, the desire of all nations is at your door, knocking to enter. If he should pass by because of your delay, in sorrow you would begin to seek him afresh. 
the one whom your soul loves. Arise, hasten, open. Arise in faith, hasten in devotion, open in praise and thanksgiving. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, she says, be it done to me according to your word. That reading comes from St. Bernard of Clairvaux from a homily and praise of the Virgin Mother. And as we sit here on, on this side of the Incarnation, and we sit here in as, a, as recipients of God's grace through the Incarnation and through the fiat of Mary, that most important fiat, still we have a responsibility to follow in her footsteps. Yes, of course, when God comes and asks us uh, to carry his presence in us, he isn't asking in the same way. We aren't giving him a nature. We aren't uh, providing his, his soul entry into the world. And yet, he is asking of us, will you carry me today in your life? Will you carry me in your body? Will you carry me where you go? Will you bring me into the world today to the people that you encounter? And so here he's asking us uncomfortable things. He's asking us to sacrifice. He's asking us to em- embrace the suffering that we've been given uh, so that we could be made perfect, so that we could more fully reflect him to the world, so that we could transmit him and carry him into every conversation we have, into every interaction that we have in the world. And he says, are you willing to endure discomfort? Are you willing to endure uh, the, the pains of childbirth to take me into your life today, to take me into your world today? And then he waits. With all of the anxieties that we have, with all of the frustrations we have, with all of the things that press in upon us, he says, I am ready to be God with you. I am ready to be Emmanuel this Christmas and beyond if you'll take the moment in stillness to hear the annunciation of the angel, to, to hear the voice uh, uh, and the message of God that says, I want to come to the world through you. And then we sit in that moment, like that homily of St. Bernard. We have to weigh, what would the world lose if I said no? What would the world lose if I waited just a little bit too long. And so then may the Holy Spirit give us the strength, like Mary, to recognize the importance of Christ coming into the world through us. And like Mary, have the courage to say, let it be done to me according to your word. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for making Outside the Walls a part of your weekly routine. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Today's show is brought to you by Christy Burmeister and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go over to outsidethewalls.com, click the Patreon link and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.